Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, those of you all around the planet we call Earth, welcome to the We Know Ball podcast, episode 70. 70 episodes. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a great one for you today because guess what? It's another week. It's another recap. College football week nine. Thanks for coming out. NFL week eight, minus one game. Thanks for coming out. World Series, NBA, NHL, and everything in between. Absolutely unfathomable what's gone on in the world of football. And am I exaggerating a little bit? Yeah, absolutely I am. But you know what? I don't really care because we got big games coming up this weekend. We had some big games that just unfolded. So much to talk about. And as we like to do on every show and every episode, We're going to start with college. We're going to make our way to the NFL. We're going to go in college from the top of the rankings all the way down the scoreboard in numerical order of where the rankings are. Go over the current rankings. This is the first episode we've done this season where as we record on Monday, October 30th. First of all, hold on. Before we even get into any sports, how are we not? How? It's Halloween. I've spent every episode talking about how much I love Halloween, how much I love all the stuff going on. I get it. I'm not going to talk about it too much longer. But what I will say is, if you are listening to this, first of all, we greatly appreciate anybody and everybody that tunes into the show, whether you're a close family friend, you know, you're a personal friend of mine, whether you're anybody, we appreciate anytime anybody clicks play on this show. On Halloween tomorrow, I want everyone to make sure take the time, take a step back, whether you got family, whether you don't have family, whether you're giving out trick-or-treaters, candy, or you're not. Remember to count your blessings because Halloween is not only the best time of the year, but it's one of the many few holidays where it does bring people together in a positive way. So be sure you recognize that because it's great. I love Halloween. I love talking about it. I love getting into it. And um, yeah, just be sure you appreciate all those around you. Take care of your loved ones. I want to make sure everyone stays safe, healthy, happy because Halloween's the best and you don't want it to get spoiled or ruined by anything unfortunate and avoidable. So that being said, college football scoreboard. Week nine of college football, most of, if not all these games taking place on Saturday, October 28th. And like I said, we go from the top, work our way down in the rankings and across the scoreboard. 
So starting at the top, number one, Georgia Bulldogs. My play of the day for Saturday's college football was Florida getting 14 points. I just, I thought there's no way Florida loses by more than 14. It's a neutral site. It's the world's, world's largest cocktail party, I believe. That's the official, official and unofficial name of the Georgia and Florida matchup. They play each other every year in Jacksonville at a neutral site. Massive tailgate. Lots of pomp and circumstance around that game. I figured Florida would come out ready to go. They did come out ready to go. They scored during their first drive of the game, and they didn't score again until the fourth quarter. And along that same time fear, uh, that same time frame, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, Georgia scored 36 points, added another seven in the fourth. And the final score was 43 to 20. Georgia takes down Florida. I don't know what to make of Georgia because they're good. But how good? Right? I mean, the SEC East, let's be honest, it's not amazing. The teams that Georgia plays on their schedule this year, let's be honest, they're not amazing. I don't know if Carson Beck at quarterback has really been tested this year. And maybe we'll find that out as the season, the next three weeks start to unfold for Georgia. Looking at some of the teams they've had to play so far this season, right? Again, they sit now at eight and O and five and O in the sec. Their schedule this year has gone university of Tennessee Martin to start the season. Then they played ball state. Then they played South Carolina, who yes, is an sec team, but they aren't a good team. The university of Alabama, Birmingham, Auburn, who they beat by seven and Auburn's not good. Kentucky at Vanderbilt and now Florida. I mean, if you want, if you looked up in the in the dictionary cakewalk schedule, that would be the example they used. Now, that being said, next week they play Missouri. Number 14th ranked Missouri team. Then they play Ole Miss. Number 11 ranked Ole Miss. Then they play Tennessee at Tennessee, who's also a top 25 team. They always finish out the year against Georgia Tech. Ask me why, I don't know. I know it's a rivalry in-state game, but just play Georgia Tech during rivalry week. During rivalry week. And I know in college football, there's like a couple of those rivalry weeks every year. Let's go ahead and make it Georgia and Georgia Tech sometime in November. All right, how's that sound? Or early in the year, how about that? Why don't you sub out Georgia Tech? Uh, why don't you slide those guys in to week four? So that way Georgia doesn't play the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Yeah, let's slide Georgia Tech into that spot. And then it, slide everybody else down. Slide in another opponent that's, I don't know, worth a shit. And then we'll see how good Georgia is. These next three weeks are going to be a big test. Big test for Georgia. I'm curious to see how they handle it. I would assume... 
based on the fact that they have three top 25 teams in their next three weeks. The next two, Missouri and Ole Miss, are at home. And those are the two tougher of the three opponents. Then they got to play at Tennessee, but that's, yeah, it's ridiculous. So anyways, Georgia won. Uh, they beat Florida. And yeah, they're 8-0, 5-0 in the SEC. Carson Beck looked okay. I thought there'd be a, a I thought there'd be more of a struggle for Georgia to move the ball without uh Brock Bowers, their big number 19 tight end. And it turns out Lad McConkey, the wide receiver, just filled in that void and became the guy. Six carry uh six catches, 135 yards, and a touchdown. So Georgia looks good. Uh how good? I still don't know. I'm gonna be honest, I still don't know. I think they're very good. I don't know how good. Uh, number two, Michigan did not play. Had a bye. Number three, Ohio State. Again, same type of team as Georgia. Or at least I treat them the same way. And that same way is, I don't know if you're actually a good football team. They barely hold on against mediocre teams. They find a way to win against really good teams. So I don't know if they're good. I don't know. Again, you look at Ohio State's schedule. Same thing with Georgia. They played Indiana, Youngstown State, and Western Kentucky this season. The first three games. And then they just go at Notre Dame and they beat them 17 to 14. Now that game, we talked about that game, Notre Dame, Ohio state. I felt like Notre Dame lost that game. Ohio state did not beat them. Ohio state didn't play better than Notre Dame. Notre Dame made big mistakes. Then Ohio state played against Maryland. Then they played Purdue. And then last week they played Penn state at home. And it's like, oh, so, and they beat Penn State, 20 to 17. So it's like, oh my gosh, they, they've beaten a, they beat a number nine Notre Dame. They've beaten a number seven Penn State. Like these guys are definitely a top, uh, you know, a top 10 team or top four team, I should say. They played Wisconsin this past weekend as the score we were getting to, they beat them 24 to 10. But it's like, I still don't know if they're good. I mean, you got Cade McCord, 220 against the Wisconsin team, 226 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Trey Anderson, 24 carries, 162 yards, and a touchdown. Marvin Harrison, six catches, 123 yards, two touchdowns. So it's like, okay, so Wisconsin's not good then because they're getting gaffed everywhere. So then again, it's like, that game gets Penn State for for Ohio State or the game against Notre Dame. Did they play well? Did they beat a really good team or did those that other team just fold? And that's how it seemed, at least for me, in the Notre Dame game, but especially in the Penn State game. Penn State showed up against Ohio State. I have never seen a team play more scared in their entire lives, more timid in all facets. Penn State had horrendous play calling, horrendous uh, line of scrimmage presence, and their quarterback was just throwing ducks all over the field. 
And then Ohio State wins, and people are like, oh my gosh, Ohio State's so good. No, I don't think they are, but I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Ohio State and Georgia, are they dominant top four national title contenders? Maybe. That's the best I can do right now. Maybe. And I know it's impossible to ask all these top four or potential college football playoff teams to play just a gauntlet of a schedule every single week and every single year. But it's a lot harder for me to evaluate Georgia and Ohio State and Michigan when they're playing literally JV football programs for five weeks of the season. I know Ohio State beat Notre Dame, and I know they beat Penn State. But people watching that game, people with eyeballs, people who know football, they watched those games, and I don't think there was anybody in the country that, that watched Ohio State beat Penn State and Notre Dame and took a step back and said, man, Ohio State dominated. Man, Ohio State played way better than those teams, and they definitely deserved to beat them. I guess Notre Dame, Notre Dame had 10 guys on the field for the last two plays of the game, and they, Notre Dame was leading the whole game, and Ohio State didn't look very good. And then they had 10 guys in the play, back-to-back -back plays, uh, 10 guys on the field, and... Ohio State runs the ball in at the buzzer to win. Then they play Penn State at home. Penn State looks like they had never played football before. Ohio State has a good defense. Georgia has a good defense. And maybe it's just I'm skewed and I'm used to seeing Bryce Young and CJ Shroud playing quarterback. Because the rest of these guys, man, do not impress me very much. And I just can't tell if these teams are good or not. I can't. Same, honestly, to a degree, same can be said about number four, Florida State, right? They played Wake Forest. They're, they beat them 41 to 16. I think Florida State's solid, but again, they've had some scares themselves. They barely beat Boston College. I think they had another close game earlier this year. Fact is, they're 8 0, and they're 6 0 in the ACC. So I guess they're good, and they're going to be in the top four. Uh, number five, Washington played Stanford, of course, didn't play defense, gave up 33 points to Stanford, uh, but they scored 42. So Washington takes down Stanford 42 to 33. I think Washington is one of the most disgustingly overranked teams in college football this year. I don't think Michael Penix is bad. I don't think Washington is bad. But I do not think they are anywhere near the caliber of a college football playoff team. And there's going to be people that fight back on that argument and go, oh, well, they, all they did is win and Penix and all this stuff. If Washington gets into the college football playoff for one reason or another, things line up. Obviously, you know, a team in front of them as they sit at number five would probably have to lose. If Washington gets into the college football playoff, no matter who they play, they will get absolutely pounded. It might. It, I'll put it this way. If I sit down on my couch on New Year's Eve, this year, and I turn on a college football playoff semifinal game, and it features Washington. 
it doesn't matter who the other team is they're playing against amongst the qualified college football playoff teams. It could be Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, Texas. Honestly, I don't think it matters. I think Washington will get absolutely demolished. If Washington plays Georgia, they're going to give up 45 points. And then they're going to play a real defense, and they're going to score 14 points. If Washington plays Ohio State, they're going to give up 38 points, and they're going to score 7 points. It's no disrespect to Washington. I think Washington is a very respectable and a very good team. But I think there is there's Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, and then a 50-foot drop-off, and then Washington. Now, there aren't many other teams better than Washington, but I think those top-tier, top-caliber teams are significantly better than Washington. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, A, lost a game at some point here and the remainder of their games left, or B, they didn't get into the playoff and were still undefeated. Because I think the committee sees that. Sees who they play, sees how bad their defense is, and realizes, man, that would be an ugly-ass game if we put Washington in at number four and Ohio State at number one, or whatever the case may be. Number six, Oklahoma, loses. L, loss. They were 7-0, and they lost to Kansas. How does that happen? Well, once again, when you don't play defense, your team is a joke. And in the case of Oklahoma, let's see how many points Oklahoma's given up this year, just on a game-by-game basis. So they played Arkansas State, killed them. SMU killed them. Tulsa killed them. Cincinnati beat them. Uh, Iowa State beat them. They played Texas. They gave up 30. Played UCF. They gave up 29. Last week, they gave up 38. So if you give it up 30-plus points a game, you're not going to win a lot of football games. And when you're playing good teams, you're not going to win a lot of football games when you're giving up 30-plus. Good football teams. Kansas is not bad. They're not great, but they're not bad. Give up 38. You're on the road. You don't have the home field. And you lose. And now Oklahoma is done, dude. Oh, done, done, done. I mean, listen, not done, done, but they're not in a good spot. And I don't know what their current rankings are. We're going to go over that here in a second. Uh, but that's not, a, it's not ideal for Oklahoma. Texas beats BYU 35 to 6. Okay. Uh, Oregon beats Utah in a top 15 matchup. Oregon was number eight. Utah was number 13. Uh, I think that ranking for Utah was a little bit skewed because they'd beaten USC, uh, whatever, but they were never going to do anything without, uh, cam rising and, uh, they'd never, they're not going to get them back this year. So it's unfortunate for Utah because Utah's fun to, to have as a good team, but, uh, Oregon outplayed them and, uh, yeah, beat them 35 to six. Number 10, Penn state played Indiana and just almost lost again because Penn state is just hot garbage and one of the most phony teams in the entire spectrum of college football. I mean, Penn State, 
how like they like i said last week they showed up against ohio state and they played like they just found out that their puppy died that's exactly how they played and this week against indiana they're at home it's definitely one of the trap letdown games they're favored by like 30 points i'm sorry what they beat indiana 33 to 24 they beat them by 11 points and it was closer than that for most of the game Number 11, Oregon State played against an unranked Arizona team and they lost. Arizona beat them 27 to 24. Once again, Oregon State, fraudulent, Pac 12, not a good football team. Uh, number 12, Ole Miss played Vanderbilt and beat them 33 to 7. Um, doesn't really do much for me there, but Ole Miss continues to uh, kind of just ride the train this year, kind of right on the coattails of Alabama. They lost to Alabama. So, you know, if Alabama wins out, Ole Miss won't have a shot at the SEC championship. Um, so, yeah, but Ole Miss is, is climbing the ranks. I mean, they're doing their thing. They're, you know, they'll probably finish somewhere near or around the top 15. Uh, number 13, did we already talk? Oh, yeah, Utah. Number 14, Notre Dame beat Pitt 58 to 7. Uh, Number 17, North Carolina, that just lost their first game, uh, played Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech, and they gave up 46 points, and they lost the game. So North Carolina now has two losses, and they're gone. Number 18, Louisville, played number 20, Duke, and beat them 23-0. to zero. Uh, Duke, I think, was without their quarterback. But even if they were with their quarterback, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know. Stupid. Louisville, though, 7-1. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, number 19, Air Force played Colorado State. Beat them 30-13. to Okay. Air Force is 8-0. No. Air Force is 8-0. No. Okay. Uh, number 21, Tennessee played Kentucky. Beat them 33-27. 22, Tulane played Rice and beat them by 2. Colorado, uh, number 23, UCLA played Colorado and Dion beat him 28 to 16. Number 24, USC beats Cal 50 to 49. 50 to 49. USC, you are a joke. Shouldn't be anywhere near the top 25. Your team is hot garbage. Caleb Williams is the only reason you guys have won seven games. And then number 25, James Madison played Old Dominion, beat him 30 to 27. James Madison in the Sun Belt, obviously not going to do much for him, but they are 8 0 and 5 0 in their conference. Good for James Madison. So, top 25 losses uh, uh, Oklahoma lost at number six, Utah lost at 13, uh, Oregon State was number 11, and they lost. Number 17, North Carolina lost. Number 20, Duke lost. Uh, a lot of losses. So I haven't seen the full AP list yet. I mean, I have. I just don't comprehend it when I see it when it first comes out. So we're going to take a look at it right now. And before we do that, I wanted to make sure this is noted. Okay, so again, today's Monday, October 30th, 2023. Tomorrow, Halloween. We talked about that. The first official college football rankings will be out. 
What does that mean? Well, not a ton, but also it is important. But again, not a ton, right? Because you still have a lot of football left to play. Obviously, Georgia, we mentioned. As we go, let's go through the AP rankings here and assume, right, for argument's sake, let's assume the AP top 25 will be the same as the college football playoff rankings. I think it'll be really close regardless, but it, there could be some shakeups. They could put Ohio State at number one. You know, they could put whatever, because Ohio State has more impressive wins, quote unquote, whatever. I don't know what they're going to do. Let's assume the top four are the same in Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. So we know Michigan and Ohio State have to play each other. So that's going to open up a spot potentially in the top 25, or I mean, in the top four to begin with. Last year, it worked out that way. Um, Except I think, how did it end up working out last year? Oh, it was, so it was Michigan, TCU, Ohio State, Georgia. That's right. Uh, So they put Ohio State in at four. um, And I think there was another team. I can't remember. But regardless, Ohio State lost to Michigan, still stayed in the top four, got into the playoffs. So that's not out of the realm of possibility, is my point. Georgia has to play three ranked teams before the season's end and in the SEC championship. If they get there, but they'll get there. Again, Michigan and Ohio State have to play against each other. Florida State, I don't know their schedule off the top of my head, but I would assume they got to play a couple of decent teams. Then they got to play in the ACC championship. So none of this is a guarantee. Washington has to play Oregon, right? Uh, most likely again in the in the Pac-12 championship. So, anyways, as we go as we go through here again, Georgia's one, Michigan's two, Ohio State is three, Florida State is number four, Washington is at five. No changes there. Oregon jumps up from eight to six. They jump over Texas. Interesting. So we got Washington's five, Oregon is six. Uh, Texas is at seven. They don't move. Alabama jumps up a spot, and they're up to number eight. Penn State goes up, man. How? How? They go up from 10 to 9. Oklahoma drops four spots to number 10. Ole Miss is up to 11. Notre Dame, 12. LSU is at 13. Missouri is at 14. Louisville, 15. Oregon State, 16. Air Force all the way up to number 17. Good for Air Force, man. Seriously, good for them. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, not to be not to be rude, but not much not much else movement no one else really deserves a ton of conversation time on the show uh but looking forward to next week man it's a monster week i mean it's just a monster week it's huge uh georgia's got a bye it looks like um where where is Mich- does Michigan have another buy? I I don't know. I don't see Michigan listed on here, so clearly they don't play. Ohio State is the highest seed to play next week at number three, and they play Rutgers. You've got Texas and Kansas State. That's a top twenty-five matchup. Kansas State made their way into number into the top twenty-five at number twenty-five. You've got AM against Ole Miss. You've got Notre Dame against Clemson. That's going to be a good game. You've got number one. Oh, there's Georgia. 
Number one, Georgia hosts Missouri. 14th ranked team in the country. Uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. That's your bedlam there. Uh, oh, there's Michigan. So Michigan plays Purdue. Okay. Uh, and then late late slate, Pac-12 slate, number five, Washington, plays against number 24, USC. Those are all your top 25 games. And then the game of the day, in my opinion, number 13, LSU, at number eight, Alabama. Pro. Let's see if I can pull it up, actually. Fans saying Roll Tide. Who we got here? Oh, of course, there's an ad. That's the uh, it's the Alabama deal, though. Let's see. That sticks the land of light. Um, Roll Tide kickoff. Let's see. There it is. There it is. Anyways, stupid doesn't make sense. Don't know why I spent any time doing that. Uh, but yeah, that's college football there. Uh, so we will see how it goes, right? I mean, we'll see how it goes next uh, next weekend. Should be interesting. Should be interesting. Uh, moving on to the NFL, guys. NFL Week Eight. Week Eight. Week eight, week eight, week eight. Uh, Thursday night, the Bills and Bucks played. I think we recorded on Thursday. Yeah, we did. I think Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, Bills beat the Bucks twenty four to eighteen. Bills. Um, Bills are good. I don't know how good. If I want to be honest with you, I don't know how good. I think they're solid. I think Josh Allen's solid. I just don't know. They have so many injuries on defense, but they got the win. They're five and three. Uh, Bucks are three and four. Bucks are super fraud. Super fraud. Uh, on Sunday, there's a pretty decent slate of games. Uh, Cowboys beat the Rams 43 to 20. Vikings beat the Packers 24 to 10. In that game, Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles, effectively ending his season and, at least in my opinion, the Vikings season as well. Uh, the Vikings are not going to win the Super Bowl this year, uh, which is sucks. It really does. It sucks for the Vikings fans because Kirk Cousins was having a great, great season. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how these guys' Achilles just start popping, dude. I don't know. Is it the calf? Is your calf not strong enough to handle the the brunt of your of when you plant? I don't know. Man, it just sucks because it's just like one split second. It's not even like an ACL or any of the like a lot of the other injuries where you're running, you're running, you're running, you're running. You make a cut like you put all this weight on. And then it's like, oh, like not that it makes sense because I don't know, but it's like you're putting, you know, hundreds of pounds of force on a small ligament in your knee 
going one direction while you're trying to forcibly push your body the other direction. Like, it's stupid that ACLs tear as easily as they do, but it makes sense. With Achilles, it's like, how, how's that happening? Like, Kirk Cousins just dropped into a five-step drop, put his right foot in the ground, and his Achilles just popped. How? How did that happen? He's done that a million times. Why did it happen on that play? Aaron Rodgers has scrambled and run around and put weight on his, his you know, calf or whatever the case is a million times. Why did it just pop? Sucks, man. Sucks for Kirk. Big time sucks for Kirk. Uh, Titans beat the Falcons 28-23. to Will Levis, 238, four touchdowns, three of them to DeAndre Hopkins, who had four catches for 128 yards and three touchdowns. So here's a few things. All right, the Falcons are four and four. And the Falcons might be, they might be the worst four and four team I've ever seen in my life. Everything about how and where and when and who and what they do on the football field is so disgusting to watch. It is such a boring, brutal, inconsistent, slow-moving, poorly executed brand of football. Everything. Their quarterback play has been not good the entire year. Desmond Ritter has been average. Bijan Robinson is potentially their best guy offensively, just as a weapon, pass catcher, running back out of the backfield. Huh, let's see. How did he do in this game against Tennessee? Uh, Bijan Robinson, 11 carries, 62 yards. He did get a touchdown and he had no catches, but he was targeted five times. I mean, I'm sorry. If I'm looking at a receiving core and I've got guys like, Kaderil Hodge in Mac Hollins, like getting consistent targets. That's problematic for me. Drake London is a good receiver. Not great. Kyle Pitts was supposed to be the greatest tight end of all time. And he's not great. He's not terrible, but again, not great. They also have Jonu Smith backup tight end. Is he good? I don't think so, but I don't know. Um, again, Desmond Ritter, eight of 12, 71 passing yards. That's not good. It's not good. It's never going to be good. And Desmond Ritter is garbage. And yet the Falcons are four and four. How, how are they four and four? Who are they beating? Okay. You know what? I was absolutely right. They are the worst four and four team in the history of the sport. Because the teams they've beaten this year are the Panthers. That's the first game of the year. Worst team in the NFL. The Packers, bottom five in the league. Texans, bottom five. And the Buccaneers, fraudulent bottom 10 team. That's why they're four and four. That's why they're in first place in the NFC South. Oh my God, is that division just... It's really bad. It's a really bad division. The Atlanta Falcons stink. Um, Titans, not great either. The Titans will be a lot better with Will Levis. A lot better with Will Levis.
I also don't know what training camp looked like, right? I don't know how exactly the quarterback competition unfolded in Tennessee between Tannehill and Will Levis and Malik Wills. I don't know. I don't know what they had them doing. I don't know what the procedures are like in Tennessee. I don't know how they came to the decision that Ryan Tannehill was the best option. But whoever spearheaded that primary decision to let Ryan Tannehill play for the Titans as a starting quarterback for six games, that person deserves to be fired. If you watch Will Levis play quarterback and you watch Ryan Tannehill play quarterback, it is the definition of night and day. Night and day. Will Levis, bigger arm, more quarterback uh, driven offense, opens up the run game. Oh, would you look at that? Derrick Henry, 22 carries, 101 yards rushing. Will Levis, 238, four touchdowns. 238 yards, four touchdowns including, like I said, uh, a bunch of deep balls to DeAndre Hopkins, um, 19 for 29, 238, four touchdowns, zero picks, 130 quarterback uh, passer rating. The touchdowns included a 47-yarder to DeAndre Hopkins, 16-yarder to DeAndre Hopkins, and a 61-yarder to DeAndre Hopkins. So Will Levis had like six balls travel 45, 50 plus yards in the air. And all of them were pretty darn good throws. I'm watching a highlight here, like a five and a half, four step drop. And he lays a ball up under pressure right into the bread basket for DeAndre Hopkins, who is behind the defense. Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback physically is just not capable of what Will Levis is capable of. Now there may have been inconsistencies again with Will Levis and during the quarterback battle that they had in determining who was the best guy. Maybe they were just scared to change. Maybe they just didn't want to take a risk. Maybe they weren't entirely sure what they were going to get from Will Levis. Looking at it now, I don't understand how they came to the conclusion that Tannehill was a better option than Will Levis. Downside for both of those guys is the exact same. The upside for Will Levis is four passing touchdowns, three to DeAndre Hopkins, and an offense that has a dynamic, young, talented, strong-armed quarterback, Derrick Henry playing running back, and apparently, potentially, a peak DeAndre Hopkins. That is a team I'd be scared of. But with Ryan Tannehill, all of those offensive weapons are just nullified. They're just suppressed. DeAndre Hopkins, not as effective. Derrick Henry, not as effective. Will Levis needs to be the quarterback in Tennessee for the rest of the year. And if he's not, whoever whoever's in charge of making that decision, Rabel, offensive coordinator, whoever it may be, they need to be fired, especially if the Titans miss the playoffs. If you roll Ryan Tannehill back out there, man, and you start losing again, like why? What's the point? You're three and four. Just let Will Levis play. Let him develop. Let him get reps. Worst case scenario, you do just as bad as you probably would have done with Ryan Tannehill. That's my two cents. Uh, Saints beat the Colts 38-27. Again, I, I don't know. Are the Saints good? I don't know. Derek Carr, 310 passing yards, I guess. Um, what kind of kills me, if I'm being honest with you, is 
the Colts have kind of now this like two-headed monster, right? With uh, Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss. You give Jonathan Taylor a monster contract. Okay, that means he's going to play more. Uh, but he was being filled in by Zach Moss, who was pretty effective, right? Pretty efficient running the ball. And now Jonathan Taylor's back and healthy and doesn't have a snap count. And they're still splitting reps with Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor. 12 carries for Taylor, 11 carries for Moss. 66 yards for Moss on 11 carries, 95 yards for Jonathan Taylor. Stop giving Zach Moss the ball. He's not a bad player. Trade him, get some picks. But why keep him as the backup? Jonathan Taylor needs to be getting 23 carries a game. You've got 24 total carries, 11, uh, sorry, 23 by running backs, one by the QB scramble, right? Why is Zach Moss getting 11 carries a game? Also, on the flip side, the Saints are so obnoxious, so annoying. I'm so sick of it. It's like, is their car good? Yes or no? Because he goes 19 for 27, 310, two touchdowns, no picks. Is he good? Looks like it. And then he'll play games where he looks like he's never played football. Literally, that is the end of each spectrum for Derek Carr. Not to mention, by the way, why is Taysom Hill have the most rushing yards out of all their players on that team? Why? Why is Alvin Kamara not getting more carries? Oh, wait, he is. 17 carries for 59 yards. Taysom Hill, 9 carries, 63 yards. Here's a crazy idea. Run the plays you're running with Taysom Hill, except do it with Alvin Kamara. Because Alvin Kamara is a better athlete. He's faster and uh, more explosive. But they line up Taysom Hill in the shotgun, and he just takes the direct snap and runs. Why don't you do that with Alvin Kamara? I guess there's a potential for Taysom Hill to throw the ball. Uh, but why does Taysom Hill have two rushing touchdowns? I don't know. But I'm kind of over it, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, Rashid Shahid, three catches, 153 yards and a touchdown. Good for him. Going through the rest of these games here real quick. Uh, Dolphins beat the Pats 31-17. Jets beat the Giants in the toilet bowl 13-10. God, that game was ugly. Jags 20-10 over the Steelers. Eagles over the Commanders 38-31. The Panthers get their first win of the season. They beat the Texans 15-13. One touchdown in that entire football game. I want to throw up. Uh, Seahawks beat the Browns 24 to 20 makes me feel good because I hate the Browns and they shouldn't be good, but they are good, but they're not Ravens beat the Cardinals 31 24 Bengals beat the 49ers 31 17 and on Sunday night football the Chargers beat the Bears 30 to 13 tonight's game is the Detroit Lions and the Las Vegas Raiders uh, Lions are favored by seven. That is my play of the day this won't be out in time anyways, but I'm taking Lions minus seven. So I guess the next time I talk to you guys, we'll see where my play of the day went. Uh, a few more of the storylines to go through. Oh, the game we skipped over because it was at the top because the Broncos listed as my favorite. The Broncos beat the Chiefs 24 to nine. Broncos beat the Chiefs 24 to nine. 
couple of things to talk about here quickly. And just two things, and we'll wrap this episode up here. Episode 70. Number one, Broncos beat the Chiefs, right? So, Broncos went 24-9. At home, it's cold. It's, you know, tough conditions. Mahomes has the flu. He throws for 241 and two picks. Kelsey, six catches, 58 yards. Chiefs don't score a touchdown. Normally, I could honestly care less about an athlete. Well, I don't want to say care. No, no. I actually, you know what? No, I will say because I was going to say I don't care. You have to care a little bit, but I do. I don't. Normally, I could care less if an athlete, whether they're in season or out of season, is partying, socializing, out in public, doing things, and being responsible. Now, obviously, if you're an NFL player and there's video of you at the club the night before at 3 in the morning, you know, doing tequila shot i don't know like that's that would be a great look right but if we're being honest here uh if you saw uh you know jamar chase at the club at sat on sat on a saturday night before a, a sunday day game and then he goes out on sunday and has 14 catches for 168 yards and two touchdowns i'd be like well i guess he can handle it that's typically how I feel about most of these situations. Also, most athletes don't put themselves in those types of spots. And I'm not saying that that's the case. But there seems to be a little bit of a scuttlebutt here. A little bit of a narrative getting pushed around about Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes in Texas on Friday night, watching the World Series game, seen after that game later that night out at the club, or not the club, but uh, seen later that night out at the bars in the surrounding areas by the stadium. Now there was no like video of them getting like completely hammered or like being crazy. And I'm sure they were probably done by midnight or 1am anyways in bed, but it was a little bit interesting because it's not like that was in Kansas city or in Denver, right? That was in Texas. So that means Kelsey and Mahomes flew to Texas flew back to Kansas City potentially, or flew straight from Texas to Denver. And then Mahomes is like kind of sick. Kelsey doesn't play very well. They lose. They don't look good. So all of this stuff starts to get magnified. I don't think it's as much... I don't think the Chiefs losing to the Broncos is as much about Mahomes and Kelsey partying or just being out and about on a Friday night as it's more so I think the Chiefs just looked right past the Broncos, right past them. Because their next game is against the Dolphins in Germany. So like, okay, uh, you know, we're going to win this game and then got the Broncos, we'll beat them. And then what a game we got going with the Dolphins. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. I mean, the Broncos, the team that held you guys to 19 at home two weeks ago? Now you're at their place and it's 28 degrees? And you're in Texas on Friday night? 
I think it was a recipe. It was an absolute recipe for disaster for the Chiefs. And if we're being honest, uh, yes, they said it's 6-2. and two. They're fine. Their defense has been really good this year. But through eight games, Mahomes is probably having one of his worst eight-game starts of all his seasons in the NFL so far, which is still not saying very much because even Mahomes at his worst is better than a lot of guys at their best. But a lot of people watched Mahomes play against tough defenses this year, and he struggled to say the least. So I'm not saying I predicted the Chiefs to lose the Broncos. I don't think many people did. But if I'm Mahomes and Kelsey, rest of the season, probably just going to try to just not be halfway across the country two days before a game at night, seen drinking beer. That's all. I know it's the World Series. I know it's a big deal. But let's try to stay locked in a little bit more. Just a little bit more. I'm not saying that's the only reason. I'm not saying that's why Mahomes got sick. I'm not saying that's why I lost. I think there's a lot of reasons, but... And the Broncos look past him. Combine that with... Clearly, they look past him. Right? I mean, obviously. I mean, I'll put it this way. You think you're going to see Mahomes and Kelsey out on a Friday night before they play? Who do they play? That's pretty significant. I know I mentioned the Dolphins, but okay, yeah. Here's an example. You think Mahomes and Kelsey will be seen out and about, especially like at a bar, especially in an entirely different state two days before a game against the Bengals on New Year's Eve? Mm, probably not. And I'm not saying that's why they lost, but they probably felt a little bit more comfortable doing that this week, going into a game against the Broncos. And then, then they got to play the Dolphins the following weeks, you know, their next game in Germany. They were 100% just looking past the Broncos. A team that held them to 19 points two weeks ago. So from the Chiefs, yeah, just let's, guys, let's, uh, yeah, let's just stay home, right, on a Friday night. Or if you're going to, like, be seen, you know, like, I know there's not a ton of stuff going on in Kansas City or Denver, to be honest, at the moment. But it's like, just, ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah. Anyways, speaking of the Bengals, speaking of Joe Burrow, right? You mentioned Bengals beat the 49ers 31-17. to Um, pretty concussion protocol hasn't looked great. Yada, yada, yada. I get it. Here's what I'll say. As we sit here at the end of October, seven to eight games in, depending on the team. Give me one quarterback right now after everything that's unfolded this season and say, you need to pick one guy to win you one game right now, winner take all. I'm not taking Josh Allen. I'm not taking Mahomes. That's based off of this season. I'll say that. 
based off of what we've seen from these quarterbacks so far this year, and the way things are trending, the way things have started to unfold and started to develop now that we're eight or nine full weeks into the season. Not taking Mahomes. I'm not taking Josh Allen. I'm not taking Jalen Hurts. I'm taking Joe Burrow. I'm watching Joe Burrow against the 49ers vaunted defense, right? I'm watching Burrow take on this 49ers defense that's supposed to not give up anything to anybody. And he's scrambling for first downs, sliding, getting up, pumping his chest. First down signals, delivering perfect balls to receivers, timing throws, healthy again, calf feels good, Jamar Chase is back, Joe Mixon's running the rock. Mahomes has looked shaky this year. Josh Allen has looked really shaky this year, turning the ball over like crazy. Jalen Hurts, ton of picks. They all look fine. Their teams are doing fine. Their quarterbacks are playing good. Joe Burrow, after his scheduled three complete dog water games to start the year, has come back and just dominated. I mean, just dominated. He's not putting up video game numbers, but he's playing good enough to win. He's taking care of the football. He's being smart about it, leading from the front. Look out for Joe Burrow, man. All I'm going to say, look out for Joe Shiesty. Hmm, I love him. I love Joe. Anyways, all right, episode, uh, oh, what else is there? World Series? Yeah, World Series, one game apiece. Crazy walk-off game on game one. Uh, game two, D-backs pretty much dominated from the start. So now it's one game apiece. Game three is tonight. Literally, as I'm recording this right now, starting in like an hour. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, either way, got one game apiece. There's not a ton to talk about there, right? Because it's one game apiece. The walk-off was pretty crazy in game one, I will say. Corey Seager tying it off of Paul Seedwald, and then Adolis Garcia going yard, oppo, taco, walk-off, pretty electric stuff. Uh, tonight, Brandon Fadd and Max Scherzer should be interesting. Uh, Monday Night Football, Lions Raiders should be interesting. Either way, I hope you guys enjoyed episode 70 of the We Know Ball podcast. Again, my name is Ryan, at Ryan Knows Ball on Twitter, at We Know Ball Sports, Instagram and TikTok. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, seriously, really appreciate it, guys. Enjoy your Halloween. Happy Halloween to everybody out there. Uh, Get your dope candy. Stay safe. Look both ways when you cross the street. Take care of one another. Take care of yourselves. Catch you guys next week or maybe later this week. Who knows? Doesn't matter. Episode 71 is the next one. That's when I'll hear from you guys again. Otherwise, peace.